And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back. In the background, I'm sure you know, one of my faves and an all-time legend, Michael Jackson. Um, I always pick this song to start the show because I think it's very, very appropriate. You know, one of the inspirations to start this show, in fact, uh, came from the notion that it's our turn to make a change. That means every American get out here, make some change in the world. So came up with this concept called the Change Factory. The idea of the show is to identify and spotlight change makers in our community. And our tagline is, we make change. And I think we're doing that uh, a pretty good job of that here tonight. We've got with us Mr. Mariko Coleman, who joins us live in the studio. He is a filmmaker, a writer, a producer, um, and he's got a new documentary that's going to be being released in Memphis. I'm a little jealous. I guess uh, by invitation, of course, of our good friend, Una Mitchell, I'm going to have to fly myself to Memphis and come down and check out oh, the, uh, yeah. the, the hey, premiere. Man, maybe we can catch a ride with him on the jet. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Catch a ride with Mariko down. Yeah. You got the jet all revved up? Yeah, I got it ready for you. All right. Um, I'm going to talk about Hollywood now, man, because there's a lot going on. We won't even uh, bore our tuners out there with all of the talk about, you know, sexual harassment sexual because, harassment. good Lord, you know, I, I mean, who hadn't heard of the casting couch? And apparently... That's why they call it the casting couch. Exactly. Apparently the casting couch <laughs> uh, swings many ways. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly, you know, uh, actor Terry Crews has talked about his own experience uh, in Hollywood as a man, as a, a straight man. Um, a little odd to me, but, you know, it happens. And you hear a lot about uh, so many black men get involved with Hollywood and you know, lose their sexual identity. You, you know what I'm talking about. So we're not going to get in all that kind of nonsense. What I want to talk more importantly about is what I've felt for a long, long time. I'm a transplant, as are everyone here on the panel tonight. We're all transplanted from another city. I love mm -hmm. L.A. I've had a hate-love relationship with L.A. I call her Lala. She's like the beautiful girl that you first meet when you come out here. <laughs> she treats you so good. She's fine. She cooks. She washes clothes. She takes you in, uh, helps you heal your wounds. Right. <laughs> Hollywood kicks you around, and then you come to find out she treats everybody the same way. Just the same way. <laughs> so you're not special. Um, not at all. <laughs> what I've wondered about for so long, and I, I, I'm going to put this to the panel, both of you gentlemen here, and we've got an expert in the studio, certainly, with uh, Mariko. I, I never could grasp. When it comes to Hollywood, I, I didn't come out here with any aspirations to get involved, even with what I'm doing right now, although I had done it before. I never could grasp why powerful black people, you know, the likes of which we have now, Oprah, Tyler Perry, um, the, the wealthy athletes, the Magic Johnsons who are buying into the NBA instead of buying their own franchise or maybe their own leagues. Um, you know, the filmmakers, the TV show makers. Why don't these people pull their resources together <laughs> and create the first African-American-owned move, mega movie? I don't know. I don't even know what you would call it. All-encompassing all -encompassing, uh, movie. Distribution and every, you distribution, mean everything. Distribution, everything, everything, you know. Sound stages are whole now. We know Tyler got his sound stages, and of course, well, guys uh, I'm sure Lee Daniels is yeah. either working on one of the major lots or doing his own thing. Who knows? I don't know. This is what I never understood, Mariko. Why aren't we pulling our resources and 
and creating our own movies, TV shows? Um, well, well, I, I'm not going to say any, Is that any a tough any, question, any, a bad question. Well, that's no, not a bad question. I, I, I am really genuinely ask me, curious. You can ask me any question. I'm just going to give you uh, enough information that I feel like I've answered the question. So, um, not to to talk about any particular person, you know, a lot of it, it has to do with the quality of work. You know, if you've kept, yeah. if you keep someone out of an industry or a profession for forever, and so when we finally get a chance to get into it, we're actually back in school again because because really? we need to learn how to hold the camera. We need to know how to shoot, edit, you know, color correction. It's, it's so many levels to it. And I think what happens is they get into a family of, of people. And I've, what I've noticed is a lot of directors uh, work with the same actors. Yeah, we see a lot yeah. of that. That's for right. sure. Right, and, and but that's always been so it's like a click. You see, right? right? So it's always been like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, if you go back to some older movies from the seventies and eighties, you'll see the same two or three actors, actresses, actors working together. You know, very true. And so, um, it, you know, that's a part of it that makes it hard. But far as them building, like, like um, I will say, like uh, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett, and good a point. They have they have a Overbrook company. Entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. So. But I don't mean just a company. I right. mean like a a facility, right. you know, a movie lot, a Sony, you know, a production lot, a Sony lot. Yeah. Well, yeah, California is expensive. <laughs> now, well, you'd have one. Right? Okay, so right, so think about okay, like Tyler Perry, right? He he initially, I think, you know, quote me on this. I think he initially bought one of the the former airlines headquarters. Mm. Now he bought a um like a. Uh, a former military base. Oh, this in Atlanta or somewhere? It's in Atlanta. Oh, it's in Atlanta. So he's doing it. And so, okay, from my understanding, my little knowledge, um, those guys get tax breaks, right? Yeah. Because, okay, let's say, for instance, Universal. They actually rent out their facility. You can I know get, they do. Right. Yeah. So if you're shooting on your own lot, it's a lot of taxes you don't have to pay. It's a mm. lot of incentives. You can just, okay, we'll cut our budget here. You know, we can hire a lot of contractors. We don't have to, you know, pay insurances and things like that, um, which is, that's fine. You know, you have independent people who prefer to be independent, and you have people who need a career, you know, executive position, so to speak. Um, but, you know, they get a lot of breaks. You know, you shoot on your own land. You, um, you make your own sets. Um, you know, it's yeah. it's a lot of that going on. So right. and and that's the way to go. But in Southern California, you know, it's expensive. expensive. It's super expensive. You know, Tyler Perry took the the next level to this thing and started his own studio, Tyler Perry Studios, Universal Studios. Yeah. So he's building his own sets. He's you know, and the cost taxes is just so much. You know, it cost him a lot. It's getting bigger and bigger. Right. Yeah. Let me move on to my next question. Uh, I'm sure by now we've all heard uh, of the, uh, the beef that Monique uh, is having with Netflix. You've heard about this? I heard a little bit about it. Okay. So just Monique and I, I just heard about Lee Daniels. She got something with Netflix now? Well, yeah, th that's complicated, the relationship with Lee Daniels. Uh, I watched an interview with her. It was very lengthy and very... Um, informative and she talked about that relationship 
from her work with him in Precious, the movie. Right. You know. Um, but the nut of what is uh, happening with Monique right now, the, the short of it is that Monique feels disrespected and mm-hmm. unappreciated by the industry. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of set it to the side. I, I, I'm I'm a little... Uh, I think they have. I don't know why. Well, they have set it to the side. Yeah, they they, they claim the she's side. been, you know... I won't say blackball because I don't like any negative reference to black, mm-hmm. period. Uh, but I, I, I'll i say she's been marginalized in the industry, majorly. I, I'm, I'm racking my brain right now to remember any comedic actor who won an Oscar in mm. their first non-comedic role. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have to just research. Wow, and you're a filmmaker, so I, <laughs> I stumped the panel on that one because right. I can't think of any. Right. I certainly know a lot of comedians who transition yeah. from comedy and stand up in the stage. And but an Oscar win oh, is always because, working. What about what um, Oscar didn't, didn't Jamie Foxx win something for for Ray? Okay, there okay. you go. All right, there's another one. All right. All right. So now, by reason, and this is part of her argument, one would think that. Monique would get the same respect Jamie Foxx gets. Right. Yeah. By reason, that makes sense, but she doesn't. Mm-hmm. And in fact, after winning her Oscar, again, she's been marginalized. And even Oprah and Lee Daniels, of course, because of the beef she has with him. Well, the Netflix beef is because they offered her half a million dollars <coughs> to do a, a Netflix comedy special. Offered Amy Schumer $13 million, and Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock, twenty million each. Twenty thirty million. Yeah, no, twenty Dave million. Chappelle made, Dave Chappelle made sixty million. Well, you know, he did some other things. It wasn't just that one comedy special. He did three for Netflix. Okay, there you go. Twenty million a pop. Um, but I don't know. Who knows? I, you know. Do you think she has a legitimate beef, Mariko? You can step in this if you like. I'm, I want to throw this to the panel here. Does she have a legitimate beef? I mean, half a million dollars to an Oscar-winning actress. Yes, yeah, a legendary comedian. Yeah, she should fight for what she think is right. Um, why not? You she know, said Lee Daniels, Oprah, Tyler Perry, everybody's blackballed. Stay on your mic. Everyone is blackballed. Well, right. yeah, I think she, I think she should stand up for herself. Um, she's won an Oscar. She's she's funny. You know, I like her. You know, um, you know, her measurement of how much she should get paid. You know. That's an individual thing um, to a to an Oscar award winner. I don't know that that price, you know. But right. but if you got these other uh, major actors and co- comedians getting paid millions of bucks, you know, I mean, come on, Amy right, Schumer, right? And so gets more than Monique. Well, well yeah, exactly. So I, I well, you know, she does doesn't have to do the the show. Right. Well, that's one thing, <laughs> but I I I I think. It should be noted that, you know, she feels disrespected. You know, I, th- I think that's worth acknowledging, uh, discussing at least. She feels that she's not being given the credit that she should and the notion that, and of course, it, it smacks of racism. Right. Um, and to some degree, sexism. Sexism because the men get paid so much more. We right. uh, have dealt with that a lot lately in this country. Racism because, is it because Amy Schumer? Is white? I, I really can't even picture Amy Schumer's face in my head, kinda. I don't. I don't remember what she even looks like. And I think the funniest thing she ever did was some kind of commercial where she was being sent to do all these 
adventure, you know, yeah. videos, and she was getting smacked around by the whale and everything. That was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Well, I, I think like you know, but Amy Schumer, no, just Amy Schumer, you know, the the like like the with the the Oscar spiel few years back um black when everybody's right right and i think it's just the people who's running the ship are not familiar Mm -hmm. with you know the content or the comedian you know and so you know they don't have time for Mariko to come in and educate them on who monique is and what she's done and you know um you know she got a long history of of funny you know Mm -hmm. and she made that that crossover say hey not only am i funny i'm a, I'm a great actress so She's a great actress and um so i think that's i think that has a lot to do with it you know um being familiar with what you're you know you put in front of yourself so and uh, you know terry bowes how do you weigh in um I'm gonna say take the half million dollars, man, and start start oh, laughing. Get you, get, Lord, tied into tied into your contract on the back end, man. Well, all, all, every, when they want to pay you like that, this is what you do. You take the you take the five hundred thousand up front and tell them, man. But this is what we're gonna do on the back no. end. Of it. No, you tell you can tie into the back end. It's, it's, man, actors do it all the time. I you get that. The back end of the box office. I don't you can really take know. Me, that. You can pay me less, but we're gonna negotiate like this on the number of streams that come down. I want this for every stream. That's how you make your money. So take the five hundred, renegotiate your contract, man. Or uh, I don't know, but sometimes I want to say, um, um, today the third, and um, you know, my rent due is uh, my rent due Monday, and I'm really not thinking about Monique right now. <laughs> but what, you, you know, know what I'm, I think, I'm I, gonna take the half a million and go go right. on stage at oh. Netflix. Right? I think Monique, yeah, she's uh, she's just I'm like just being if she, honest. No, no, no harm. No, 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 no this is one. Right. Yeah. And she, if she take that five hundred thousand, I think she's like, okay, now I've set myself up yeah. for. I mean, so that's why I said, don't take it. Right. Yeah. Take you, it. Don't you know, uh, these are all very good points because there, there's there's a there are other elements of the story. One of the comments that Monique made was. If she accepted that half a million, wouldn't that set up other black women comedians to be offered less based on that evaluation, like a Tiffany Haddish could get undersold? Does that actually happen, Mariko? I know, but now she did. She just signed with Groupon. Right. Does that happen? I mean, once you set that bar that low, you're going to get trapped. Right. At some point in that, you know, right. pay range because she's an Oscar award winner, and you know, and so she sets the the standards, the bar high. You know, it takes a lot of work to get to that level, and so if she's accepted, then she she know anybody who's underneath her, not saying beneath her, but coming up and look at a look coming up, up to, next, right, look right. up towards Monique as a role model, or you know, just advice. You know, can I get five seconds? Tell me something. You know, so she. Okay, then the next person come along, you know, there's they're not gonna get nowhere near five hundred grand. So yeah, I mean, I don't know comedians uh, that's getting five hundred thousand dollars for a special. Right. Name me one. I mean, I mean black, uh, black comedians, female comedians. Right. But now, uh, um, I'm thinking it's hey, it's because I want to say that it's almost like this. I'm gonna equate uh, uh, Monique for a second analogy, like a. Uh, um, a player in the locker room is a professional mm. a football player. And uh, you done made your money, you done did this, but now, I mean, they have off-the-field problems. And it seems like when you go off-the-field, it seems like people don't want you around when you're disturbing the locker room. You're right and about it's that. Like, That's uh, a good analogy. So, 
So it's like maybe people, maybe they saying that because they really they don't want you to. They offer you half a million because they really don't want you to do it. Maybe. What do you think about that? Well, that's tragic, right? They said, "Well, we going we gonna lowball her, and she probably gonna be like, she's not gonna take it anyway." So like that, we won't say we didn't offer it to her, but at the same time, you know. But it's almost like when you start seeing like you you crying about everything or something like that, people start to kind of. I mean, for an actor, I guess. I mean, say they 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 own film, but they that's that's for them that's off the field problems, you know. So right. yeah, just to just to wrap that up, I'll just say this one last comment, and because I bring this up, I want to get back to Mariko. I just wanted to see see how he would weigh in on some of these more politically charged topics that are going on in Hollywood, and um, but she did she's asking for a boycott of Netflix. Won't happen. <laughs> I heard you know yeah. I, I heard that okay and 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 I had some resistance and in fact completely failed to boycott the NFL this year as I had been uh chastised to do uh, and I had been chastised by a military veteran and she <laughs> said to happen. me how dare you watch the NFL uh, blah 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 blah, and what they're doing to black people. We going to? And I yeah. said to her, "Well, how dare black people join the military? Right. Yeah, <laughs> you consider what they do to black people when they get back here." Yeah, so, right. uh, that didn't go over well, but I think she did certainly get the message. I want to get back to first forgotten heroes. Let's talk more about this incredible documentary. I know it's going to be incredible because anytime you see a story that's been hidden for so many years. I mean, again, I say 75 is not a long time ago, but to think that I was at least grown and uh, aware enough, I thought, uh, to be up on things, particularly as they relate to the black community. I, I had my red, black, and green patch and my Afro pick back in the day and right on, you know. I was right in that era to, to not know in 75 um, that there was a black man who, first black man to win a NCAA championship. Correct. Tell us more about the documentary. Yeah, give us a little tease so when people, you know, when once we get the word out about this and maybe help you do some some of that promotion. Okay. A little um, bit more about the documentary before we go. I, I think we left off where he finally made the move to Memphis. So um building a foundation, being building a winning team, you know, it, it, it took him about ten years to do this. And what what he called was the twenty game winning bracket. Um, racket and um and he said that's a basketball term so um it took him about 10, ten years to to become a 20 game plus winning team you know on a consistent basis and um, um prior to 1974 um, black institutions weren't allowed to weren't allowed in the NCAA um sports you know area so to speak and um and so, actually, he went to the championship in 1974. That was the first year they allowed black schools to play. Participate, yeah. Right. Prior to that, they were in the NI, uh, NI, NIT? NAIA. Right. So, prior to that, that's what they played. Um, I think that was ran by a man named Al Doer. I couldn't find any information on him. I was research, research, research. Um, but in the movie, we got some pretty heavy people in there. We got some congressmen. We have um, we got ex NBA players. We got um, John Calipari, NCAA winning, national winning coaches in there. 
Um, we have um, Tubby Smith, current coach. He's right. Memphis, uh, he's won a national championship. Don't know how long Tubby gonna last. Right, but you yeah. know Memphis. Memphis hard market. You know, come on, um, Penny. Right. <laughs> and so um, we got we got about eighty five percent of that nineteen seventy five championship team telling their story. Um, wow. Um, so you know. We journey, you know, we we journey through the movie, and um, it, it's re it's really it's really good. It um, coach is telling his own story, so I had um, over 30, 40 hours sitting down with coach tell, wow. telling me his story. So I ran out of tapes plenty of times. So um, you know, I have well more story than I have documentary. You know, my my term of documentary is fast paced. Um, so I squeezed, squeezed all that in into an hour, um, but I could easily made a six-hour documentary easily. But um, I just wanted to keep the viewer in tune and on their toes. And it goes through segregation. I'll tell you a real good part. I know we run out of time. Is that um, his problems didn't come into Mississippi. He was always worried about Mississippi when he came to Tennessee. His problems came from Arkansas and Tennessee. Um, he would go to places like Carson Newman, play Carson Newman in, in Tennessee, in Arkansas. And, and you know, and that's like Klan country. Yeah, and so the bus, it's just like watching a, 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 a movie, like a 70s, 60s movie. And he would say that, that the team will, after the game, they would, on the way back, and they always get pulled over by by the cops and the sheriffs, and they never took him to jail. They just took him to a back barn in the woods somewhere, in a holding area, and um, and so the president then of Lemoyne Owen College, um, was well connected with rice farmers in Arkansas, black rice farmers. They produce so much rice and revenue for this for that city and state that they have some clout so the president wouldn't call the sheriff's department or the police department he would call the rice farmers the rice farmers would go down to to the holding facility and tell them to let them go and um and so the story him and the team right let him yeah. and the team go so the story is is really intuitive it's um I mean, it's it's a great story. Go through so much, um, and it goes through. They talk about Martin Luther King. They talk about Malcolm X. Um, they talk about sit-ins. They talk about um, marches. It, it's it's really cool. It's, it's a really cool story. Um, yeah. You sent us a great lookbook uh, in PDF format. We weren't able to, to that get that yeah. posted, but certainly uh, I'm looking at some of the images now, and it is truly um, a chronological history that goes through the entire civil rights era, it seems, right. you know, I mean, as it relates to this particular team and this particular coach and, and basketball. Uh, here's another uh, baller right here. Uh, Equal to Wolf joins us uh, in the studio. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's a baller, cool. went all the way to NBA camp and all that kind of stuff. And, and you got another <laughs> baller over there. Right. Myself, I played with the Sixers uh, back in 52. Really? So, <laughs> I told you I got jokes on me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for you to laugh. I guess that didn't go over too well. We got a little, got a little something from the peanut gallery in the room. Um, when is the documentary coming out? Uh, we plan on releasing in June. After the premiere, we're going to give coaches um, do, you know, he's put in the work. He's, he's told the story. And um, 
June, I couldn't give you a specific date in That's June, because right. um, we were kind of nailing down everything as far as the premiere. So sometime in June, we're going to let it let it fly. You get back with us against that date. Right. Very nice, and this is mm-hmm. that's going to take place in Memphis. Is that right. correct? Mm-hmm. Right. You would not believe how many men fights, men fights, right? You call yourselves men fights. <laughs> uh, that's right. what I call you. Uh, who are in the room right now? He went to uh, uh, you know, Memphis to go to college. Really? Okay. Nashville. My bad. Deal. He's from Cash. Uh, is that right? And uh, of course, you know, men fight over there. Mike Bond, yourself, uh, many others who've come here and blessed our mics, and, and certainly been in the studio hanging out with us. Uh, so you're very welcome here. You have family here. Oh, thank you. You know, uh, we just don't. We're not good at crab services, though. So we don't That's have okay. the big turkey dinner <laughs> and potatoes laid out for you tonight. That's Hot okay. Coffee. This is enough right here. Huh? But nonetheless, <laughs> right. I still want to give you a rousing round of applause for stopping through. Glad tonight, you came through. Glad you came. My through. pleasure. My pleasure. All right. Um, any closing comments? I mean, you want to give out some details on how people could get in touch with you if they want to learn more about this documentary or others that you've done and someone wants to hire you, whatever the case may be. All right. the, the easiest way to define me is just Google my name, Mariko Coleman, M-O-R-R-E-C-O, Coleman, C-O-L-E-M-A-N. That's mostly my uh, social media ha- handle. Uh, just use my full name and um, you'll find me somewhere. Yeah, I, pop, 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 I typed you into Google and you had the first uh, full page of Google, uh, your name and references to yourself. Thought it was a million Rico Coleman. Obviously <laughs> not. No way. No way. Hey, obviously that, not. That, that ten year old boy know. on Facebook, um, on the YouTube, showed me how to do that. Uh, <laughs> very nice. Um, you got to go back and watch that video. Right. All right. Uh, but any final closing comments? Um, no, I just, I just want to thank you guys. I think you guys are doing a great job. You Thanks. know, the facility looks good. You know, I feel like I can give me a sleeping bag and, and camp <laughs> out. Camp. Right. Right. The atmosphere feels good. The energy is good. And um, I think you you guys are genuine, you know. We, and, um, we work very hard. Whenever Thank I can you. come back, hopefully I can come back, and I'm, I'm my status is a little bit, bit yeah. better, better, you know. And um, you know, we just build a relationship. That's all it's about. Started when you first came, certainly continues here. And I will say for myself, you have a standing invite. Thank just you. keep us posted on what you're doing. Man. I sure will. You know, and I, although I've never been to Memphis, I, I got to get down there. It's just too many of y'all embracing me and surrounding me. Right. I got to get down there and find me a nice country girl. Out <laughs> here, right? yeah. That's all I need. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in tonight to our live special presentation of the Change Factory. Um, stay tuned. We'll be doing more of these shows moving forward in 2018. Looking forward to having Mariko back. Maybe get you back before you go on that uh, journey in June yeah, right. to Memphis. And again, anything you got going on, let okay. us know. All right. You know, he does music videos, so maybe we want to get you connected with Equal to Wolf here. He's okay. a, also a, a, an artist. All right. Uh, can't call him hip-hop because he get mad when I call him that rap artist. I don't know. Um, but he's into music as well, and he does music videos. So, you know, yeah, you just right. never know. There might be a connection here as well. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Thanks again, Mariko, for coming in. Thank you. And I want to thank our good friend, Terry Bowes, associate producer, for putting all this together tonight. Humble host, Richard Carr, signing off. And be sure to stay tuned. Coming up later tonight at 8 p.m. Pacific, an all-new show. But this is their third episode, E. Missy K's Loose Lips Loose Show. Loose Lips, baby. That's a pretty crazy show. And she's got some pretty fun guests that are going to be coming through on this episode tonight. So 8 o'clock uh, Pacific Standard Time. E. Missy K is coming up right after this. Do not go away. Stay tuned for more great programming. LA Talk Live, thanks you for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. Is that it? Say goodnight, everybody.
Thank you for tuning in to LA Talk Live and the Talk Live Broadcast Network, original reality radio and crafted for your listening and viewing pleasure. This is LA Talk Live and we are more than just talk. Stay tuned.